When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. It's our roundtable edition. Today it is Mary Kay, Scott, Ellis, and me. Now I do say during the pod right at the beginning that Doug is going to join us. Unfortunately, Doug got tied up and he was unable to to jump on the Zoom, so he's sitting it out this week. Uh, But anyway, check out our Friday podcast where we go through the 53-man roster. We sit down and we build what the 53-man roster looks like after the draft. Make sure you check out Football Insider. It's cleveland.com slash browns. It's the blue banner at the top of the page. You get an exclusive newsletter delivered to your inbox every day. You get access to those stories on cleveland.com slash browns tag for Football Insiders. And you can be part of our texting group where we do a lot of fun stuff with our texters throughout the year. Again, cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get more information and get signed up. All right, our Friday pod, our 53-man roster projection. We are off on our Friday roundtable. Got the whole crew here. Doug Maurice is going to be joining us a little bit late on this podcast. So for now, it's Mary Kay, Scott, Ellis, and me. And we are going to reset the Browns roster. And we're just going to start with the easiest position on the roster, which is completely bizarre to say. When we look at the quarterback positions, we put together this 53-man roster. It's pretty clear Baker Mayfield and Case Keenum. Does anyone want to, want to make a case for carrying a third quarterback? No, I, I don't think it's necessary. I think they can do what they did last year. They had Kyle Laletta on the roster. They they can do something like that again. I think the only interesting thing that we could possibly mention about quarterback, because we know Baker's going to be the starter. We know Case Keenum is going to be here as the backup. We have done a wonderful job since last week of staying out of the Aaron Rodgers fray. So we get a big pat on the back for that. Uh, I've heard it discussed on talk radio we've seen espn has run with it and we've done a a phenomenal job because we know that the browns are not going to be trading for aaron Rodgers. right it's not happening uh they are extremely happy with baker mayfield at some point there will be some kind of a discussion about whether or not he's going to get his extension this offseason or whether whether they will wait and do it next offseason but just in terms of that whole thing, it's, it's not really, you know, worth kicking around or debating because I think we can all agree it's not happening. Right. I'm so happy that we're not doing anything with that because that's just, that's May, June content right there. You know, that that's right up there with who's not going to be at OTAs and just things we don't have to worry about this year. And when I went through and did my uh, roster, I went with two quarterbacks just basically because that's what they did last year. I don't, I don't think there's a huge need to have three, pivoting up the Aaron Rodgers thing I wondered if they the Browns did not select a quarterback for reasons of having no interest in carrying three and then I remembered back to the Packers uh Jordan Love was inactive all year yet you know still was a first round pick a year ago so I think they could have found a way around that but again I'm I think we're all kind of building this theory with the front office that it's becoming clear that they don't address a serious need until it's a serious need and backup quarterback will become that need next year when we start talking about Keenum's contract, but this year, not an issue. And the reality is if you're playing your third quarterback, you've got some, some much bigger issues than who your third quarterback actually is. All right, let's move on to another very easy position. We've already got two on the roster. Look at us moving along the running back position, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Demetric Felton. Those are my three. Does anyone have a fourth? or a different setup. Well, and we're just doing running backs, right? You're not putting fullbacks into this. You know what? Let's throw yeah. Andy Janovich yeah. into this discussion. Just okay. There's, there's no reason to spend time on, on just the fullbacks. Yeah. So let's okay. throw Janovich into this as well. There you go. Then if, if that's what we're doing, then that is the exact same number that I have. Um, it really seems like uh, Demetric Felton was brought in to, to play that third 
running back role and to play other roles as well in the return game and also in the passing game. Uh, and so I think that Dearness Johnson will probably have a difficult time making the team, not impossible, not impossible because special teams and things like that, but this definitely sends up a, a little red flag for him. Yeah. I think it'll come down to who they like better as a returner, right? Because a third running back on this team isn't going to get uh, many carries if everybody remains healthy. So it'll be, do they like Felton as a returner and can they live without Dernis Johnson on special teams? And uh, I think that's really the fight here. No one else uh, below them. I don't think it's anybody they would keep. And they kept, they only had the three, uh, three running backs and the one fullback last season. So, you know, you figure they're going to go the same way this time. The only thing I can add to this one is if you go to ESPN and look at the Browns depth chart, which is no help, they have Demetric Felton listed as a wide receiver. I know this administration and Stefanski have come out and said he's a running back. The point is adding to being a return man as well, possibly he feels like though a guy who's not going to get on the field a whole lot, Demetric Felton feels like one of the safer bets to make the 53. If we're talking about three different positions, he can essentially play running back receiver and some sort of valuable special teamer. Okay. So this might be where it gets a little bit interesting as, as we move to the offensive line. Now I divided mine up into tackles, guards, and, and centers just to kind of have a clearer idea of, of who's where. So we obviously know the top, right? We know it's good. It's Treader in the middle, Antonio and Teller around him, and then Conklin and Wills on the outside. So Scott, who else do you have on this offensive line? So they had nine on the roster in week one last season. And so the backups that I had were, were Hubbard at tackle. And we know that he can also play guard Hudson, I think makes this roster as a, as a backup tackle. You have Nick Harris, who, who seems like a really good uh, bet to be kind of a swing guy in the middle. Um, the other spot, I mean, I threw Drew Forbes on there. This front office hasn't really gotten a good look at Drew Forbes because he opted out last season. Maybe I'm just putting him on there because he's a draft pick that, you know, at the same time, this front office could probably care less about that because they didn't pick him. But I'm looking at what's left on here, and I – I got to think that Drew Forbes is probably the, the leader in the clubhouse right now uh, for that last spot. But that's, that's basically the, the backup group I had, Hubbard, Hudson, Harris, and Forbes. Because then you got your tackles covered, and you got a couple guys who can swing in the middle. You know, I, I had the same group. The only difference, uh, and, and it wasn't a difference, the only other name that I put a question mark next to there was Michael Dunn. Uh, you know, for some reason, I just thought, you know, he's somebody that, they might want to keep around. They, they also, they also added Greg Sanat in free agency. Of course, some of these guys are going to end up on the practice squad. Uh, and I think he's somebody that they really like, but not necessarily somebody that I think is going to be able to make the, the final roster, but somebody that I think is, is worth keeping an eye on. So I, three or four of those guys, Sanat, Dunn, and a few others obviously will end up on the practice squad. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. Dunn is one I was going to mention or, or keep an eye on. I, I wonder, and what I really am most fascinated with is the development of, of James Hudson over these next two years. He seems like a guy who could slide into a, a Jack Conklin replacement, perhaps, if, if Conklin, because you know, Conklin only signed a, a three-year deal, right? You're trying to get on the market again before he's 30 or right around there. So he's trying to cash in while the Browns, seem like both are trying to of course have a backup tackle but maybe plan for the future a little bit so that's something fun to sit and watch but that's you know two years away so no worries there everyone we mentioned has a good chance to be on this roster and it's it's the strongest position totality uh, on this team we're building the roster so we've got to make we got to make a couple decisions here then oh man. all right let's see i had nine guys so treader and harris are givens uh, Teller, Betonio, like I mentioned, are Givens. Conklin, Wills, and Hudson are Givens. We're all going with Hubbard, right? So Hubbard's yep. on there for sure? Yep. Okay, so it kind of comes down to what? Michael Dunn and Drew Forbes? Probably. Are we going with nine or a ten? Uh, probably t nine, you said? Yeah, I would, nine. I would that's say, what they had last year. Yeah, uh, I'd say take nine. If we have an extra space, maybe we come back. But, okay, so it's Dunn or Forbes. I mean, that's such a weird question to ask. Who thought they were tuning into this podcast to hear some hot takes about Drew Forbes and Michael Dunn? What about a guy named Blake? 
Blake. Old Blake. I guess go with Drew Forbes. I mean, I, I, you know, just because like Scott said, he's a draft pick and they probably want to take a look at him. He opted out last year because of COVID-19, but somebody that seems to have some potential. So, you know, maybe they give him another look because of the whole draft pick thing. Not really too sure, but we could do worse. And Forbes might be able to play a little tackle too. I know he was playing mostly and they moved him to the inside that first year, but he, he could maybe kick out and play some tackle on a pinch. Dan, I have a feeling you're not going to like me this episode because this is going to be my answer uh, here, but I'm going to just go with the lineman that's healthy at the time they make the decision because training (laughs) camp is a long process and things happen in in the middle like that. And, but that has a decent chance of being what it comes down to when we're, when we're talking about the roster at this point. Do you guys, Ellis mentioned that the offensive line is the strongest position group on the team. Do you, does everybody agree with that? See, that's why I proposed a position group draft. I think I think it'd be a, a fun conversation. Because <laughs> I mean, we're talking that. about and we're talking about one of the best rosters in the league. So I, it's a it's a great question. Yeah, we will we'll do that. We'll do the position group draft. I think they are though. What else are we making the case for? D line, safety. Running, All right, running, if we're separating out safety, maybe running I mean, back. Oh, running back. Yeah, Re- receiver. The line. The line has done it. The line had a season where they were generally uh, considered the best, sure. if not one of the best offensive lines and everybody's back. Any other position uh, outside of maybe running back, you're kind of projecting and thinking, okay, well, if they're the best version of themselves, maybe, they, maybe they're as good as that offensive line. Okay, well, here's our group. Our brain trust came up with Jack Conklin, Jedrick Wills, Chris Hubbard, Drew Forbes, Joel Batonio, Wyatt Teller, Michael Dunn, J.C. Treader, and Nick Harris. And now we're going to talk tight ends. Ellis? Is it just the four guys we all suspect? It feels like it has to be, right? Like, this is a room we keep waiting for something to change, and nothing is. I think they need to get more explosive there. I don't know exactly how they do it. We just went through a draft, and the class was quite weak, and, they, of course, they didn't select a tight end. The stuff going on with David Njoku remains pretty obvious and out there. What else is there to choose from? It seems like these four – and Njoku's the guy you keep watching. If anything changes, that's when something will also change in this room. So what does our depth chart look like then? Njoku, I, I, Njoku is the – he might be he might be the best tight end on this team, you guys. Like he might be the best tight end on this team, not getting number one reps. That goes to Austin Hooper. I would – I think Njoku has earned the number two spot, but that is a lot of matchup-based stuff and perhaps some – emotional things as well I really like Njoku's game it's just this is not a though Kevin Stefanski is so relying on his tight ends from a philosophy standpoint they're not a production laboratory that was the case in Minnesota and that's the case here now I still think you go Hooper number one I mean you're not going to be paying that guy ten and a half million dollars I think they want him to take a step up uh, in his second season with Baker Mayfield. So he's still number one. I think, I don't think you necessarily have to go with a clear cut number two. I think it will come down to matchups. I think that if you need a certain situation, uh, you, you know, you'll go with David Njoku. And I think if, you know, like in the red zone and different things like that and matchups against your opponent. So I, I don't necessarily think, I think those guys will flip flop back and forth at number two. And then Steven Carlson uh, behind them. Yeah. Yeah. I had the, I had the same top four guys uh, on my list. And I mean, PFF considered Njoku the best tight end on the Browns last year from not just a receiving standpoint from an overall offensive standpoint, but also from a blocking standpoint. And uh, he just didn't, I mean, he got like 300 fewer snaps than Hooper. So they were clearly all in on Austin Hooper. Mm-hmm. Um, Njoku that kind of had to work his way into a, you know, consistent number of snaps and, you know, by the end of the season, he had he was performing well. He had a good game against the Chiefs. So he's just a wild card in this. You don't really know, you know, is, is he going to finally blossom into what everybody thought he could be as a first-round pick, or is this is this what we're going to get out of David Njoku? But Dan, it's definitely those four guys. Dan, I will add this, and you'll appreciate it. If the Browns need to convert a two-point conversion, however, Stephen Carlson is tight at number one, no doubt. Right. Especially a weird blocked extra point, two point conversion. He's the, he's the kick recovery master. He's all over it. If they need onside kicks. 
with Njoku, it always kind of comes down to, I guess, how much do you trust him in a really big moment? And I think he earned a little bit. Scott, you said, I mean, he got, we were seeing more and more of him as the year went along, but I still just can't shake the whole Baker making that throw against the Giants to Jarvis Landry. And I know, I know Njoku slipped and fell down, but he got back up. Baker making that throw to Jarvis in the back of the end zone, which was an impossible throw while Njoku was wide open in front of him. It's just, I, I still think there's some trust there that, that needs to be earned with Njoku from kind of everyone involved. But his hands were better last year. It seemed like his blocking improved. I, I think he took a step forward last season. Mary Kay, can I ask you something? Mm-hmm. And not to put you on the spot, but it's like, how do you see this playing out? I mean, of course, one trade offer, everything can change, but like, does this just end with Njoku? contract expiring and a potential comp pick when he goes somewhere else like is that, is that yeah i mean with the way things have gone down i don't know that that he is going to be here beyond this year yeah. but it all depends now look he's telling us that he's all in again this year right that's what we are seeing from him he is all in if he is truly all in and we're, what he wants more than anything is to be used if he is utilized in the way that he wants to be then maybe there is a future for him here in cleveland Maybe they can put all that stuff behind them because this football team still sees the value in David Njoku. Now I've said this before and I've gotten pushback on it from, you know, from a few fans that I still think that if he, in a certain situation, he can be an eight TD catch tight end just because he's big, he can go up and get it. And I think his hands have gotten better. I don't think he's that in this offense because he's, he's not going to get enough opportunities to do that. But I think somewhere in some universe, he can be that guy. I think he's talented enough to do that. Obviously, there are a lot of mouths to feed here, and he won't get, he probably won't get enough reps to come close, but I, I think he's capable. What's the over under on catches? I mean, we're spending too much time on a joke, but it's like, what's his over under on 2021 catches? Well, I mean, We've talked about it. Like you can never spend too much time on David Njoku. (laughs) I mean, fans love talking about these guys. I mean, Njoku is a guy that is very, I don't know if I want to say divisive. I don't think that's the right word, but he is sort of a a hot button kind of guy with fans, I I think. So he had 24 uh, catches last night. How many? Wasn't it 19? Yeah, 19. There we go. Well, he had the playoffs. Yeah, he had 19 in the regular season. And then in the playoffs, he had five more. Yeah, he played well in the playoffs. Yeah, he really did. I I think they should use him more. I really do think that they should use him more if he can get himself together because I think he's a a very valuable big player. He's improved his hands. He's improved as a blocker. So I'm going to say over and under should be about in the regular season, thirty four. Yeah, thirty. I would take the under. I was saying around 30 and it, yeah, it's just tough. Cause I agree with you, Mary Kay. I, I mean, for everything we've seen, you'd think he, especially that way he ended the season, you'd think he'd earn more reps, but I don't know. We're, I know we're not going to talk about Richard Higgins yet, but oh, we're, we're getting the same it. group for a reason. Wait, we're setting the over under at 30. Yeah. Is let's set it at 30. Let's say over under 30. So Mary Kay, you would say over. Yeah, I'll go over. I, I think it's going to be under. You guys know what I'm going to pick. Push. <laughs> four guys on this team had over 30 catches last year yeah but you know what they didn't get the offense going until the second half really they didn't really have their mojo i think they're going to be more explosive early on this year and then right. there were a couple games that were weather games down at the stadium remember there was a stretch of course we all remember that the stretch of you look at baker mayfield's stats and he didn't have any touchdowns for three straight weeks so I think there's going to be, there will be more touchdowns this year. And I think there will be more receptions to go around. He might play a little faster this year too. I know that's something Kevin Stefanski wanted to do, but I just think with everything they were doing last year, that it wasn't like a priority, but the other thing too, and I think this speaks a little bit to the group we're going to talk about. And also another group we talked about is, I mean, there's just certain guys that the football finds, you know, Jarvis is going to catch a bunch of passes, right? The, the ball always finds Kareem Hunt. You know, even when he only played eight games, he was near the top in receptions in 2019. And last year, he had the third most receptions on the team. And I know there's a lot of fans that want to see more of him and Nick Chubb on the field together. So it starts it starts to get crowded when you distribute that football a little bit. Yeah, and as for tight ends, it's pretty clear that the ball finds Austin Hooper. 
Yeah. And, and Baker, I think, is a big trust guy. Yep. Let's go ahead and move on to receiver. We've been pretty much in line with what I had here as, as I'm putting this roster together. So I had six receivers. Mary Kay, did, did you have a set number of receivers? I have six and I have one in parentheses that they could possibly decide to keep. And I think we mentioned this before as almost more of, you know, a special teamer. But now that you have Anthony Schwartz, I don't know that you're going to be able to hang on to a Jojo Natson. So if you want me to read, should I read my six? Yeah, let's, I mean, let's I think see we all know who have. the six is. I'm going to go with Odell, Jarvis, Richard, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Kaderil Hodge, and Anthony Schwartz, and Jojo Natson is in parentheses. Okay, those, those were the six I had. I did not have an, a parentheses guy. Are the Ellison Scott, did your lists differ? That was exactly my list. I had <laughs> Jojo Natson kind of being pushed out, partly because of the emergence of People's Jones. Not that he was a fantastic punt returner or kick returner, but the fact that he was able to do it. <laughs> and they also are likely to keep Felton maybe in a return role. I just saw him maybe as being expendable because I don't think they're going to get Schwartz like to the practice squad or something so they can keep Natson. I don't think that's going to happen. So I think if they go with six, Natson seems like the guy who might get pushed out simply because you don't really expect him to contribute that much uh, on offense. You know, we're taught to avoid the cliches in, in, in journalism school, if you will, but what a difference a year makes for Richard Higgins, because if we were having this talk, Last year at this time, I would say Higgins is the no-brainer guy who's out just because JoJo at least provides some pre-snap stuff and then special teams. And when you're talking about the fourth, fifth, or sixth receiver, special teams play such a factor in those those decisions, 53, active roster, all that stuff. And Higgins provides no input or impact on special teams. But as Scott Pascal wrote, he is one of the best receivers in football. DVOA backs that up big time. <laughs> and that's why you have to side with Higgins, though, having no bringing nothing to the table in special teams. He's going to be on this roster, though. The activation stuff is a different question. But because of what Higgins did a year ago, you combine that with drafting shorts, it feels like. And then Felton it being in the picture, it, it feels like JoJo's the odd man out. So we all decided to keep Kaderil then which I guess is, is interesting. Um, I mean, they really, they really like him. Yeah. It seems like, I mean, he was the number three receiver in right. camp last year. He, mm-hmm. He's going to be that guy. So obviously a guy they really like, I just, it's weird. I, I mean, should this position really be this easy? Are we missing something? Nope. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I mean, the only, like, as we've mentioned, the only question mark is can you afford to keep Jojo around? Because now you have, uh, you're getting that tremendous speed from Anthony Schwartz uh, and he can do so many di- different things for you. And you guys, as we mentioned that Dimitrik can play both roles. I think he'll probably spend time in both rooms and with both position groups as we watch training camp and as we go forward here. Uh, so he might be a little bit of a luxury, but he's also somebody that Mike Prefer could raise his hand and say, you know, I want to keep Jojo around. So yeah, he's about the only question mark. Kaderil Hodge, the only way that I see Kadero Hodge not being on the team is if they add someone, a receiver from somewhere else, if they sign a free agent uh, or some, or they trade for someone between now and whatever training camp or the start of the season. Yeah. And I think they like Cordero on, you know, stuff like punt coverage and the, you know, the things we, we don't give any airtime to and for good reason, but just those little stuff that special teams coordinators go crazy for. He's that type of athlete. I do agree with Mary Kay. However, and I will add this to Mary Kay's point. I am starting to wonder what the tolerance level will be from this front office when it comes to injuries. Uh, like Cordell just seems like a guy who has been nicked up from soft tissue, tissue, groin, hamstring stuff that speedsters deal with. And I've said that I see Anthony Schwartz as the a complete fusion of a football player of Jojo Natson and Hodge. So Again, I'm going back to the injury thing, but if Hodge has a, a flare-up or a nick and Natson's just, you know, consistent. and Because there's a difference between an ACL injury and little some soft tissue, t- tissue stuff here and there. You'd almost rather tear your ACL, it, 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 in my opinion. 
So that'd be the only thing I would watch. It would be Hodge, and you could. I wouldn't be surprised if Nathan somehow snuck in. But my gut does tell me they they like Hodge as a, a, a three area player, special teams, and then multiple parts on the field. I was gonna say he was a restricted free agent. They tendered him really quickly. Yeah. So that kind of shows you how much they uh, value what he does. I I mean the injury thing is relevant because sometimes guys when those snap numbers increase you know, so at the NFL level, it, that's a strain on your body. So yeah, I mean, I mean, it's relevant, I think, to at least mention that he struggled at times to stay on the field last year, but I also thought he was pretty good as a receiver too. He made, he had a catch in Jacksonville uh, that was pretty impressive. And then he had a, had a catch against Pittsburgh too, where Baker threw it a little bit behind him. And I can't remember if he one-handed it or not, but he kind of reached back and, and grabbed the football. So he definitely took some steps as a, as a receiver too. And also, by the way, Good Lamar Jackson uh, imitation quarterback I learned a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah, that's valuable. I, on the same note with injuries, the Browns are the type of team that when when your roster is this stacked in the league, you can't pick wrong when you start making these cuts and considering guys who are going to stay healthy and, and make it through those 17 games because perhaps maybe they could bury Natson somehow and keep him safe like he'd survive the waiver wire and you can practice squad him or something. But it's like, teams are going to look at the Browns deep positions and think to themselves, there's an opportunity to pluck some talent from there when they do have to make a choice. So they, they really got to get this right. Hey, one more thing on Hodge. He, I don't believe he's actually officially accepted the tender. He's still technically he a restricted free agent. I think he has till June something to do that. I don't think we've seen anything to make us believe he's not coming back. Yeah. He's still listed on their, on their website, even as a restricted free agent. Okay, so we got 25 guys, and we were pretty much all in agreement on those 25 guys outside of a stray offensive lineman here or there on the offense. So you factor in your three special teamers. That leaves us 25 guys on defense. And so this is where – I actually, there's one position I really want to see how you guys approached it. But let's start – let's divide the defensive line into edge rusher and, or what defensive end and tackle. I kept five of each. So I had 10 linemen, five of each. My five defensive ends were Miles Garrett, Jadavian Clowney, Tack McKinley, Curtis Weaver. And then I went back after I kind of put together the rest of the group and I threw Port Augustine back in because I had a couple roster spots open. So those were my five. The first four, I think we probably all have. I'm just wondering did, who your guys' fifth is or if you had a fifth. I had the same five as you did. Okay. Uh, the, o- the only question that I do have is, you know, what is Curtis Weaver going to be? Mm-hmm. What, what is he going to be uh, coming off of a foot surgery? And when you get him out on the grass, uh, we know that he's worked really, really hard on, on his body, which must have been the problem with the Dolphins, that he must just not have looked the part. Because, you know, when you read some of the stuff about when he was released, they're like, yeah, we've seen enough. Five practices, we're done. He's worked hard on himself. So has he worked hard enough to, you know, to be up in this, this range with the Garrett's, the clownies, the tax, and even the, and the, the Port Augustans? Not sure. But for right now, I, I have him on, on the list of five. So I'll say this. I'm, I'm thinking they'll hold on to four because I think they see some position flexibility in a guy like say Malik Jackson, if they needed a, a big end or someone they could slide out, you have that dual position option available to you. And when it comes then, if we're talking Porter Gustin or, or Curtis Weaver to Mary Kay's point, you know what you're getting out of Porter Gustin. And for a guy at that point on the roster, I would lean towards reliability. You know, Porter is going to be out there. He's going to, bust his butt and he's going to be available I understand the 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 unknown of Curtis Weaver and the potential upside there I just would lean more conservative when we're talking about a fourth defensive end and a guy who may need to play at a moment's notice well I had five guys on the edge again I, I kind of went with what they started last year with and in the bottom two are Gustin and Joe Jackson I mean Jackson's a younger guy I don't know I, I looked at him the same way Gustin I, I do with Gustin there were two guys who got Quite a bit of snaps, quite a few snaps last season, and I mean, they weren't horrible. They were they were pretty consistent, and I think there are two guys who you can kind of work with. I mean, until we see Weaver out there in, in practices and in camp and really see what he has to offer at this point, 
Yeah, I'm going to go with the guys who I've seen already. Okay, so so that's interesting. We're gonna have to re- we're gonna have to revisit this as we kind of put together this this group of 25. Mm-hmm. So now defensive tackle. I, I had five guys here again, and they're all pretty obvious, probably. But I had Billings, uh, Jordan Elliott, Malik Jackson, Tommy Togiai, and I kept Malik McDowell. And I kind of I wrestled with that one a little bit because I. I don't think anything's guaranteed with Malik McDowell, but they brought him here for a reason. And so it was just hard for me to cut anybody from that group of five. But I also wonder, is like five defensive tackles just too many? <laughs> I think so. is, Scott is nodding his yeah. I mean, last year, Richardson and Ogunjobi were the only guys to get over 700 snaps apiece. And then it was all the way down to, to Elliott at like three-something. Uh, and then after him, I don't even know who it was. It was – it was, it was another big drop-off. So, I mean, you basically got two, two guys playing the bulk of the, of the spots there and another guy rotating in. Now you have maybe a little more, a little more even, even footing as far as experience goes and youth with, with the guys who are left. There aren't – I mean, we, you look at, like, Elliott, Billings, Jackson, and Togi, you got youth and you have some experience. Obviously, you got a lot with Jackson, but it's like you can't look at that poor – them and say all right these guys are definitely the starters that's something's gonna have to shake out so but I went with four again just because that's what they had last year I don't they're taking a swing on 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 some of these guys they brought in after the draft and we'll see how that works out but I think they're going to keep their draft pick they're going to keep Jackson Elliott obviously they're going to keep Billings I think maybe is the one guy who maybe has to come in and really show what he can do Um, but beyond that we're not really sure what we're going to get staying on billings. I'm worried, concerned, curious on what his snap count potential is. Cause a guy like Sheldon Richardson doesn't come off the field. I mean, we saw that a year ago. We saw it when miles Garrett missed 10 games a year ago, Sheldon doesn't come off the field. That's pretty special for a D tackle guys that, you know, play with that size and got to move that weight. Sheldon is like that. I don't know if Andrew Billings is that dude. I, I remember him primarily as a run stopper in, in a more of a two down player in Cincinnati. I, I could be wrong. Wrote that story. I've of course, you know, over a year ago with the COVID stuff, him opting out, but also his snap count production in Cincinnati might not matter because they grabbed BJ Goodson a year ago and could have cared less about his snap count history. They played him every down here in Cleveland. So that'll be something to watch. And if they don't think feelings can at least stay on the field for, 80% of the snaps, 85% of the snaps that Richardson was responsible for. This is going to be a, a deeper position with possibly five guys like Dan's suggesting. Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, there, there's something that they're, they're really identifying here at the tackle position. They're really obviously trying to uh, bolster it and Malik they're, they're looking at him almost as a, as a hybrid defensive tackle. So I think you can kind of put him in both rooms a little bit uh, and that might give you another guy here. So Billings, I think is the big question mark. How does he come back and do they want him more than they see the potential in a Marvin Wilson or a Malik McDowell? We're also forgetting about Sheldon. Where are we going to put Sheldon in this room? We got to, we got to stuff him into the big man room, right? Well, unfortunately I think that's what Sheldon is asking himself right now too. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But you never know. The door is still open a little tiny bit. So I guess it's just a matter of, do they want to bring Sheldon back? And if, if they do, they, they will have some more decisions to make. These will be tough decisions here because they've got a lot of good talent and they've got, they're going to have a lot of good competition and they're going to need one of these young guys to come up with a little, uh, a little hangnail that he can go on, uh, <laughs> that he can go on injured reserve with for the rest of the year is what's going to need to happen. So none, none of us had Marvin Wilson and I, I did. understand. Oh, did you? Okay. I, you know what? I have him here, but yes, I do have him. I, well, I do I, have him. And I think that's an important discussion because obviously there was a lot of interest in him and you get to the end of the end of training camp. I don't know that you're getting him to your practice squad. You're not, you're, you're not, not getting him through waivers. So then you've got to make a decision how you want to play that game with, with your defensive tackle room. If you re- if you still really like him, if he looks like a guy that should have maybe been a fourth or fifth round pick in training camp, then you've got to make some decisions there. 
and, and that's that's how he ends up on the 53-man roster. Even if he's not maybe one of your best guys in camp, if he's a guy that you still really love coming out of camp, you're not going to get him through waivers. No, you're not. I mean, he was a draft. They had a draftable grade on him. Other teams wanted him. Uh, they had to kick in a little bit more, more money for the signing bonus. He's not getting through waivers. There's no question about it. So something is going to have to give. Somebody's going to have to end up on IR for the year, or they're, they're going to lose somebody that they like, or they're going to have to go younger and decide that they'll move on from an Andrew or something along those lines. Yeah. And that undrafted free agent deal was nothing to scoff at. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it seems like, you know, they're already, you know, invested a decent amount as much as you can be for an undrafted tackle is the point I'm making. Mm-hmm. So can I, can I talk you guys into five defensive tackles then? <laughs> I'm still waiting for Sheldon to come riding in on that white horse. <laughs> Sheldon is chilling good right now. He is in no rush. He knows he could walk into this D tackle room and take it over immediately. He's, <laughs> he's, he's made money throughout his career. I, I bet Sheldon is so cool right now. He might just show up and hang out in the stands during training camp. Right. <laughs> they have another Sheldon at defensive tackle, Sheldon yeah. Day, who I know nothing true. about. But, I mean, if you want a Sheldon, he's right there. That's right. <laughs> okay, so maybe whatever decision we make depends on how we put together this linebacker so. room. I had five, and I'll just put it out there. I mean, I texted this out to our Football Insider subscribers earlier today. I had five, and none of them were Mac Wilson or Sione Takitaki. Scott, who did you have in your group? All right. So after our little defensive tackle discussion, um, which I didn't give enough thought to his signing bonus, wasn't it like thirty thousand? Wilson. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I maybe I go with five. I don't know. But uh, here's I had six linebackers. Because number one, that's what they kept last year. Number two, they are 30th right now in percentage of the cap spent on linebackers. And that doesn't count the rookies, but that's not going to really change that once they sign those guys. So they don't really have much money invested at linebacker. You can keep all the names that we come to know and love uh, with six guys, right? It would be Walker, Smith, Phillips, Takitaki, Wilson, and JOK. That would be six. Maybe you get fields to the practice squad, but you could do that. And I think even though you've added this versatile piece that everybody uh, is raving about at linebacker, you still have a room dominated by guys who do one thing very well. And I think until you know for sure that you have somebody that you feel confident about playing all three downs and that you're going to get a high level of play out of him. I think maybe you stick with this group for another year and say, all right, we know we have a really good run defender in Taki Taki. We made a couple of plays in pass coverage. We're going to give Wilson another chance to do something. You know, Phillips, this is only a second year. And obviously Smith, you brought back because he's good in coverage. So I'm going with six guys here. Maybe I can be talked out of it. Uh, in, in favor of a, a fifth defensive tackle, but but that's kind of how I put my linebacker room together. Did anybody else keep Mac Wilson? No. Okay. So that's, I that's have, but I kept I kept Taki for the reasons that that Scott just identified. They need a they need a run defender. I mean, you cannot just have a bunch of guys that can cover. You you have to have that traditional run stopping linebacker still. I think at times. Not maybe on the field all the time, but at times. So I kept him. Fields was the one that I struggled with a little bit, but I think they like him well enough that they that they want to give him a chance. So I hung on to him. So I've got six. I can't figure out if Sony Takitaki's skill set is going to be his undoing or his great savior. To Mary Kay's point, he's really the only linebacker in this room that is completely different than everybody else. And they might secret, I mean, they're not gonna despise it, but for the point of this conversation, bear with my language, they may despise that old traditional style linebacker. And that might just be no more a Sony Taki Taki because of just what he is as a build. Or they realize they need that one skill set and they keep him around, which then brings me to Mac Wilson, who perhaps is just the most incomplete version of you know, Anthony Walker and Jacob Phillips and everything they already got. I feel like Tony Phillips has to stick around at, or excuse me, uh, Fields has to stick around. I, I don't see how you spend a fifth on somebody and then try to 
get him to a practice squad. And I know that stuff can happen, but it's just like, that feels like a player they are going to prioritize because it's a pick they made that is so on brand with the type of linebacker they're, they're trying to develop now. So am I at five or six? Again, it, that's the point of the exercise. I'm going to land on six. Malcolm Smith feels safe as the vet. So yeah, that puts me at six, right? All right. Yeah. So, so we're going to say that our, cons- our consensus is six here. So yeah, I, six, I think that yep. puts, probably puts Taki Taki back on the roster. Like if I'm working off my roster, that puts Taki Taki back on the roster. I'm going to have to give up one of my defensive tackles. Three of the four of us did not have Mac Wilson. So let's go six linebackers and let's put Tony Fields on mm-hmm. in place of Mac. So there's mm-hmm. our six. Now let's revisit that defensive line real quick and let's get this front seven finished. Are we good with sticking with the four tackles and not putting Wilson on there? Or do we want to take an end away and maybe sneak Wilson on as an extra tackle? I think you could take Curtis. I think you could take Curtis Weaver off and keep the tackles because like, as I said before, Malik Jackson can play a lot of end, end for you. So you might be okay that way. Yeah. And until Sheldon Richardson walks through that door in Berea, I think they're trying to have as many throws at the dartboard at D tackle as possible. So they're going to keep their options open there. And I think we can cut from edge. Because this is a hard exercise. It, <laughs> this is just a t- from drafting when we did our mock draft to now this. I, for anyone who wants well, to be a GM out there, re- rethink it. Well, the X factor too is is Malik. I mean, you, nobody knows how how Malik if he's going to get to the beginning of the season and everything's going to be cool sure. and and he's going to look good and and be what they need him to be. He's he's they're taking a flyer on him. They're taking a little bit of a risk. Will he make the team? We don't know. Once again. He could use a, just a just a small little, you know, like sprained finger that, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're going to need to do something like that. Okay. So I think this is what we're going to do. We're going to go Miles to Davian Tack. And then are we going Porter? I, I know, Scott, you, yeah. were, you were thinking Joe Jackson is a possibility. But are we going Porter over Weaver? Is that? I'm going, this is, I'm going this is our Saturday night 53 man roster. This will change as soon as the, the waiver wire comes out the next day. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Exactly. So we're going to, we're going to try Sorry, Curtis Weaver. I, this is not my, I, I would probably, you, you tried Dan, you tried your best. I would, I would make my case for him just for the record. Uh, and then we're going to go ahead and just for the sake of keeping Marvin Wilson on the roster, we're going to have that extra defensive tackle. And, you know, Ellis, I thought Andrew Billings was, was an interesting case, too. Maybe that is a situation where, it, you know, he was brought in last year, and, and now we're just to a point where it's not going to work out. And, of course, Malik McDowell is a wild card here, too. We are, we're yeah. making all positive assumptions kind of on these guys as we go along. Okay, let's do an easy position before we move on to the corners. Safety. I've got four. I, I think it's the obvious four. It's obviously your big three of Delpit. Harrison, John Johnson, the third, and then Richard LeCount. Yeah, that's what I had. Yep. Yep. No pushback there. All right. Nope. Perfect. What a stack. Oh. I mean, that's another really good, I mean, I guess we're assuming a lot with Grant Delpit, but man, that's, that's, that's deep. You know, we're kind of assuming a lot with, you know, a lot of these guys we're working off of, this is all a, a paper experiment really. So that yeah, leaves us then we all had six corners, right? Did I do that math? Right. So we all yeah. had six corners. Uh, Denzel Ward obviously is going to be one of them. Greedy Williams is going to be another. Greg Newsom is, is going to be a third. Troy Hill is going to be a fourth. So who are the other two guys that you all kept? MJ for nickel ability. Okay. I have MJ and then I don't have another one. I don't know if the, the other one is here yet. I wonder how much they like. I wonder how much they like AJ Green. I know that felt like a priority guy last year, right? Uh, undrafted, and I mean, Robert and Robert Jackson played big snaps. So Mary Kay could be right. It could they could just upgrade the, that whole spot completely and bring someone brand new. You wonder about the upside of Green, if you will, and then the the slightly below average performance of Robert Jackson. I had AJ Green on just for fun. Slightly below average. Scott's face. <laughs> Hey, this is going to get back to Doug, so I couldn't dog his player too bad. <laughs> That's right. 
I had, um, that's basically who I had. I had uh, MJ Stewart as the, the backup option at, at nickel. And then I just put, I put Robert Jackson on at the bottom. I mean, like, the bottom of your linebacker depth chart and your cornerback depth chart. I mean, you need guys to play special teams yeah. in those positions too. And, you know, MJ Stewart did that a lot last season. Robert Jackson did, I don't know, he had like over a hundred, about 130 stamps, but MJ Stewart was a big part of that. You don't have Tavier Thomas anymore. Was he with Titans or, or the Texans? I can't remember. But uh, so you lost that guy who was basically your your leader in special team snaps over the last couple of years. So maybe MJ Stewart kind of steps into that role. So and then you need just another outside corner. So Robert Jackson, the man who uh, brought us the Browns play of the year. I think I don't know. Did we end up going with that? Him knocking <laughs> all away in that two point conversion. Yeah, we're, it's one of those things you're going to regret. You know, years down the road when. Freezing cold takes. Freezing it's going to be take. a freezing cold take. Yeah. I, st- I stood my ground on that one. <laughs> I think Scott did too. <sighs> I might have caved. I might have caved, but you know, I get a little intimidated from time to time, believe it or not. <laughs> I, I think I got excited about every play. I, I probably voted for all four at one point throughout the 90 minute pod. I can't remember. Yeah. But the bottom of the depth chart is so many of these positions. It's going to be like Mary Kay said, it's good. Or Dan, I think you said it, that they're going to make their, their roster and the next day it's going to change because people are going to become available. So maybe that's how the, you know, the bottom two spots here at yeah. cornerback end up going. I think so. Well, I think they'll keep MJ. I think he's, he's pr- probably going to be okay. Uh, but I do think that we might see one more new face at cornerback before all is said and done. I feel like looking at this list laid out, it feels a little thin. Corner does. Yeah. I, I mean, Obviously, Denzel Ward is great when he's on the field. You know, Greg Newsom was the number 26 pick. He should be really good fairly quickly. Greedy Williams, we, we don't know who Greedy Williams is. Even if he's healthy, we just don't quite know who he is yet. So, you know, with the knowledge that Denzel Ward is going to miss some time, Greg Newsom has some durability concerns. Greedy's coming back from injury. This, this room just still feels a little bit thin to me. And this is the re-signed Terrence Mitchell conversation that we never had. You know, when we said, how do Browns win free agency? I, I think a fair amount of us had Terrence Mitchell re-signing somewhere in there, or at least mentioned it. Of course, that didn't happen. And if he if he was on this list, you'd probably feel a lot better, right, Dan? Like, you'd see a guy who you know what you're getting. Upside isn't there. I understand that. But at least you, it's that known commodity. Thin question marks and upside is, the, you know, the three words I'd use to describe this, this cornerback room. Terrence was reliable and i i hate to say you don't have guys that aren't reliable but just from a from a health standpoint like we've talked about every over and over on this pod denzel ward plays 12 games a year you know know, maybe that changes this year but right now that's what we're working on and greedy's coming back from injury i do think they're a little thinner at corner than i kind of expected them to be at this point i think what it says is that they really believe that greedy is coming back yeah. and coming back strong. They, they are buying into the fact uh, that he is going to be playing football for the Cleveland Browns this season. If not, I think they would have had to have drafted another guy to play outside or signed one as even an undrafted rookie, or they'd still be looking around. But as for right now, I think that must be the plan. And, and Dan, to add to your corner questions, uh, Scott, I know on God Watch the Tape, you said the other day, Newsom has missed three games every year at college every in the past year. two years. Missed like eight as a freshman, yeah. 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 And it's a 17-game season this year. Yep. So you, you, they're you got to navigate. <laughs> this is their downfall. We all, we all thought cornerback just really got a, a, an influx of talent this offseason, but really it's just going to sink them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, they made the playoffs with Robert Jackson playing the, the most important game of the season last year. So they'll, That's right. they'll figure it out. And then we got Cody Parkey, Jamie Gillen, and Charlie Hewlett. Anybody want to make a case for a new long snapper? We want to have a long snapper discussion. I don't even think there's one to be made. He's been so reliable, but just there was one drafted. Oh, Ellis. Well, no, there was. I was just going to say there was one drafted uh, out of Alabama. I'm pretty sure round six. So uh, the Browns clearly weren't in on that. But it was fun to. They even pulled up the the long snapper highlights. I've never watched a draft this detailed other than the past few years, of course, and to see a long snapper go was, was quite a moment. Uh, if my emails and uh, the, the texts from uh, football insiders are any indication kicker is the biggest yeah. weak spot on this team. I, I, I don't, we don't go a day without hearing from somebody wanting to know 
what the plan is to get Cody Parkey either out of here or competition or, you know, just what are they going to do about kicker as if, you know, he only hit 50% of his kicks or something last year. I, Parkey comes with baggage, obviously, in history, but uh, I think he missed three field goals last season and he was perfect in the playoffs. You know who wasn't perfect in the playoffs? Justin Tucker. <laughs> right. And you know what, Ellis, just in case you didn't know, uh, the Browns once dress, drafted a long snapper. They drafted Ryan Pontbriand, Pontbriand. Uh, in the fifth round in 2003, and he stayed here until 2011. Until he got the pro bowler. Yeah. yeah. Pro bowler. So one of the best picks of all time. Yeah. Right there. So that wasn't a Lombardi pick? Cheap shot that was, there. Was that Butch? Yeah, that, was, that would have been yeah, Butch. I think that was Butch. And, and by the way, speaking of kicker, I did a poll on Twitter the other day. The Cavs brought back Anderson Vergeau, and I asked, you know, if the Browns could bring back one player like that, just sort of an almost like an honorary player, to to play, you know. And I gave three names and then an other, and the three names were Cribs, Thomas, and Phil Dawson. And Phil Dawson was way too close to Joe Thomas for comfort, and a lot of the, the people who voted Joe Phil Thomas Dawson really Joe wanted Thomas him can't to block play. anybody right now. It's honorary. But Thomas, no, he's not going to be your left tackle. Not at his weight. He, he had a hard enough time keeping weight on when he was playing size. Christian Dan, Kirk should been on your list, I think. Dan, it's funny you bring this up. I w- was at the Cavs game last night but, and Trailblazers in some nosebleeds. And Scott's saying how Joe Thomas can't play tackle right now. Well, Anderson Vergeau can't play center. <laughs> it was he was not jumping he was not moving he made one free throw and that place went crazy so the honorary thing works out whether you can play the position or not just run the I other see, way <laughs> i did exactly. see a photo of him in his jersey last night from the wrong angle and yeah he's, he's not exactly an nba shape so see ellis in minnesota you guys get the kevin garnett farewell tour and here even at the championship cavaliers all they can get is the Anderson Barajal farewell. Well, for. not many championships in this Timberwolves history, so I, <laughs> I, I think you guys have us there. All right. Well, we did it. We managed to put together a 53-man roster. I'm not going to bore everyone and read off the 53 names uh, for you. You'll have to go back and listen if you forgot half of them. <laughs> That'll do it. Uh, as you probably caught on, Doug was unable to jump on and, and join us for this podcast, but we still had Mary Kay, Ellis, and Scott. So I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.